It's Wednesday, November 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Maker, and for Motley Fool Options, Jim Gillies. Good to see you guys. Howdy. We have, we have survived the election, and I'm just going to say this to all those television and radio stations out there and the public companies that own the television and radio stations. If you don't have an absolute killer quarter, if you can't if you can't have made money over the last three months with all the TV political ads that have been running, then you you need to get out of the money making business. You are absolutely done. Um, we're going to talk about what's happening in the market in just a second, but I think it is worth pointing out since on yesterday's market foolery, Bill Barker and I talked about Nate Silver from the New York Times and the five thirty eight uh, blog. Uh, Nate Silver called all fifty states correctly. He nailed the presidential election over the last two. He's 99 for 100. Basically, <laughs> he missed one. He, <laughs> Amateur. If you're rolling with Nate Silver, you're rolling large. If, if you're making any kind of bets based on his prognostications, and I can only hope that someday he moves into investment uh, prognostications as well. Uh, but let's talk about what's happening in the market, because as of this moment, the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P are all down more than 2%. Um, Joe, even the 10-year Treasury bond is down around 6%. And, you know, there's some stuff going on in Europe. uh, But I think a lot of people are looking at this and saying, well, is this because of Obama getting reelected? Or is this because now the election is behind us and this whole notion of the fiscal cliff uh, with the hard deadline of December 31st, this is now the number one thing on the table. That's the thing in focus. Yeah, it's all those things. Part of it is Europe. A lot of it is the fiscal cliff issue. I think that you know, there's this belief, based on sound historical evidence, that the Republicans will not play nice with President Obama on solving fiscal issues. I do think that the president's win will give him a good bit of – I don't know that I'd say a mandate. I don't know that a 5149 – 48 is a sweeping mandate, but a win nonetheless. And I think he's got a stronger hand than the Republicans in the House right now. I think he's going to use that and I think ultimately get his way. I do think stocks falling today are a reflection of concerns about that. But, you know, just for a little context, and I know that the magnitude of some of the changes from Fiscal Cliff are not insignificant, but the other day I was reading a report of 10K from one one of my favorite companies from back in 1999. And there was a substantial part of the report dedicated to managing the Y2K problem. Right. And it's just a, it was a great reminder of there are these things that we all think will be tectonic shifts that turn out to be total non events. And I think in the case of Fiscal Cliff, you know, even though our elected leaders have not always acted rationally, I think that they will come together on some sort of solution. And just like, you know, the debt ceiling crisis when the U.S. was downgraded, it turns out the world didn't end, even though what we thought was a terrible outcome did end up happening. So I would encourage people to not use or not read too much into what's happened with the election and how they're thinking about stocks. Thank you for reminding me about the Y2K non-event, because that really was one of those things that was built up to be such an enormous, you know, basically the world's computers are going to blow up once once, uh, we hit the year 2000 and it it just didn't materialize. (laughs) Uh, Jim, what do you think when you you look at stuff like this and uh, just as an investor and you see this, this kind of... I don't want to say panic selling, but but it seems like there's the, just this mad dash um, in reaction to something that, when you step back, uh, you know, on some level, were were people not expecting President Obama to win? I think everyone expected it to be a close election, but 
one of the two outcomes on the table <laughs> was that President Obama would, would get reelected. I, I'm I'm first kind of shocked that you're asking the Canadian about to comment on American political machinations because beggars can't be choosers. I'm going to say um, <laughs> I think today is uh, today's go shopping day. Really, I mean, I, I I have great confidence that the world will keep turning. I have great confidence that um, you know what's the what's the cliche? The market climbs a wall of worry. It always has. I think back to my investing career, which is rel- still relatively young. I mean, it's you know I hope to be doing this for another thirty or forty years because it's fun. And you know, I mean, we've seen the uh, we've seen the the credit crisis. We've seen um, the uh, the tech bubble and then the bursting. Uh, just a more local thing. We've seen the rise and fall of you know Nortel, which was this massive you know the biggest Canadian company in history. It's bankrupt today, and yet you know what? Portfolios continue. Um, you know, your investments continue, you keep building, you going slowly. So, you know, when you get a day like today, I mean, it's shopping. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I just, before kicking it over to Joe, I just like that you use local in reference to Canada. Well, okay. Uh, local story. For me. <laughs> Research in motion is also local, and that, that one still has to be playing out. Uh, Joe, what about that notion of, of looking at the market today if you're an investor and thinking, hey, this is, this is a day to go shopping. It's we ta- a good thing. We talk, about, we talk about watch lists and that sort of thing. What, you know, do, do you have stocks that, you're, that are now looking more attractive to you as a result of, of what's going on today? Sure. I mean, financials at large are all getting tag today. I mean, the idea is that under a, uh, they're getting hit particularly hard today because what you would have seen under a Romney presidency probably would have been a little more lenient interpretation of financial regulations Mm -hmm. than under Obama. That would have been better for banks, at least in the short term. And we could probably argue about the philosophical arguments of that. But bottom line is it would have been better for their bottom lines. Uh, I do think the market's response today is probably a little sarcastic in a way (laughs) and too much. And I think a lot of good banks are selling attractive prices. You know, obviously I've talked about Goldman Sachs on the show a lot of times. It's selling below tangible book value. I think it's really hard to screw up when you consistently buy profitable franchises at less than their liquidation value. That seems like a pretty good model. Uh, You know, something like Wells Fargo's pulled a little bit back. It's definitely a much less saucy bank. Uh, very, very much less sauce. You take all the seasoning out. That's Wells Fargo. Um, but it's a great institution, very conservative, uh, long, proud history, and I think a great long-term holding. And you know, I was talking to my wife earlier and just said, you know, the market doesn't seem to like that Obama won, but that's okay. You know, if this keeps up, we'll definitely have a nice chance to put some cash to work. So that's the way I'm thinking of it as a potential buying opportunity. On the flip side, let's say that President Obama and the Republicans in the Congress get together, work out some sort of a deal before December 31st. Is it reasonable to expect that uh, we'll see a positive market reaction? And if so, would it uh, would it benefit financials yeah, more so, so than others? Yeah, I think financials have more to benefit from a recovery than just about any other sector here. And there's a lot of a lot of room for upside. And honestly, I think that when you have them butting up against the limits of their balance sheet on the south side, as in you know some of them are selling near tangible book. Again, I you know in the short term you can dance around that, but in the long term that's just a great buying opportunity is to consistently look at banks like this selling at you know historically cheap prices. Uh, Jim, what about you in terms of the stocks that you're watching and and whether it's individual stocks or industries in general, when you see all of the red, and it's basically all red today across the board. I know, I know. You're you're excited. 
Um, well, oddly enough, Best Buy is up, I think, 5% today. So apparently we're all going to... Isn't that... It. Okay, wait a minute. If, if, if Best Buy is... I need a warranty on something. <laughs> if Best Buy is one of the few stocks that's doing well today, yeah, isn't that just... I, I don't mean to pick on Best Buy. That just seems like yet another indicator that that's a business completely out of step it, with it's, the market. It's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 there's something else going on there. But, you know, I mean, I'm looking at... Uh, I don't tend to to worry about macro themes defining what I'm looking at. I I'm like Joe. I like I like the banks. So uh, there's a bunch of Canadian banks I quite like at uh, current prices. They're all falling today as well. That's interesting because these are banks that didn't have a problem during the credit crisis and didn't have to. So they're just getting lumped in. Yeah, oh, they're getting lumped in. And I'm sure if we were to look at the European banks, they're probably also getting shot today. But. You know, I mean, I'm just looking at my watch list here. And yeah, but that seems like, I mean, just not that's to put too far. a cocktail away. I, I was going to say, sure. not to put too far to point on it, but it seems like I get I get the Canadian banks sort of getting lumped in with the U.S. banks just because. Yeah. But European banks, they, yeah. they seem like they have their own set of issues. I, I, I think if you were going to classify, um, I'm not too sure what would be more boring than Wells Fargo and being not like less saucy. U.S. Bank Corp. Well, I mean, you know, Bank of Montreal, Bank of Nova Scotia. Scotia Bank. Like, I mean, really... Those there, are pretty boring. There, there, there's. I mean, the only one I, uh, you know, maybe CIBC, which I like to call the bank, most likely to walk into a sharp object. But other than them, I mean, <laughs> why do you call it that? Oh, uh, uh, if we you look, this thing called Citigroup. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, from a Canadian perspective, if you go back and look, if uh, any time there was some sort of scandal, financial wise, in the world, CIBC would be the Canadian bank that was at the forefront. So when Enron went down, the biggest financier of Enron from Canada was, of course, CIBC, uh, Global Crossing, CIBC, I think the largest uh, investor in U.S. Um, mortgage-backed securities. I might be having a limb here, but uh, I think they were the they were the largest, you know, Canadian bank investing yeah. in that. I mean, they're, they're, they always just managed to get at the forefront. So, I mean, just as a parting shot, I think it's important to remember that five years from now, 10 years from now, no one is going to remember how the stock market did. The Today, day after absolutely President not. Obama no, absolutely you know, was not. reelected, so, and I definitely think that you know these little blips, and I would say it's it's a nice little buying opportunity. Banks yep. are four or five percent cheaper than they were yesterday, and that's nice. But when you think about the compounding of a business <clears throat> over its lifetime, five ten years, you know, a five percent difference in price isn't going to be that big a deal if you buy good businesses at out of favor prices and just hold on to them. The math takes care of itself. Yeah, like I'm looking at my watch list here of a lot of those types of companies. And I mean, you know, Disney today is at fifty bucks a share. I'm looking at Disney because I'm a Star Wars geek and I'd like to own a piece of Star Wars. Um, you know, Disney at fifty dollars a share. Where were they five years ago? Somewhat lower. Yeah. You know, IBM today is uh, you know it's down uh, a percentage point. It's at one hundred ninety bucks. Where were they five years ago? I think they were about half where they are today. You know, so I mean, like five years from now, where are we going to be? I mean, today is a nice opportunity to add, but it's not like the world is ending just because. Well, whatever the market's perceiving, Obama, yay or nay. So, just to wrap up, give me one stock that you would really find attractive if it dropped to an unreasonable level. And I'll, I'll just use myself as just an example. about all of them. I was going to say, but I mean, in, in in my case, I'm a Coca-Cola shareholder. I, I at no point over the last few years have I thought, well, I, I really need to add to my position. It's trading somewhere in the neighborhood of I think 37 today. If for for completely irrational reasons that just dropped to twenty, if it if it got you know knocked down forty fifty percent, I would absolutely go back and buy some more. But you know, yeah, is, I'd is go it, with I'd go with U.S. Bank Corp at twenty four bucks, which is a pretty greedy price. I would say you know in terms of the spectrum of awesomeness and risk in banking, Wells Fargo is kind of Charlie Munger, like really awesome on their own. 
But U.S. Bancorp is kind of like the Warren Buffett, like the slightly better version even. And in this case, U.S. Bancorp doesn't sell cheap often for a reason. But if it pulled back that far, which would be about one and a half times book, I would very greedily pick up shares. Do you think they use that as their tagline? We're the Warren Buffett of banks? Well, Berkshire is an investor. <laughs> so there is a nice little Investor synergy. Wells, too. Jim, yes. what about you? Uh, do I go big or do I go small here? Go um, big. Okay, I'll go big. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway is trading at $86 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren Buffett has said he's going to, uh, assuming they don't have an elephant in their sights or what have you, they would be active and large buyers at 1.1 times book value or below. After the most recent quarter, that's about $84. So right now, I think your downside in Berkshire is probably $2 or less. <laughs> yeah. um, so if you gave me Berkshire at $75... I got some equity in my home, not you'd doing happily, anything. You'd happily take it. I'll happily take it. We will wrap up there. Jim Gillies, Joe Mager. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>